congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we bread to the full. For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And Moses and Aaron said unto all the children of Israel, And even when ye shall know that the Lord hath brought you out from the land of Egypt, and in the morning, then ye shall see the glory of the Lord, for that he heareth your murmurings against the Lord. And what are we that ye murmur against us? And Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, for that the Lord heareth your murmurings which ye murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses spake unto Aaron, Say unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he hath heard your murmurings. And it came to pass, as Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, Speak unto them, saying, And even ye shall eat flesh, and in the morning ye shall be filled with bread, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God. And it came to pass that at even the quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay round about the host. And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness, there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna, for they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. Gather of it every man according to his eating, an omer for every man according to the number of your persons. Take ye every man for them which are in his tents. And the children of Israel did so and gathered, some more, some less. And when they did meet it with an omer, he that gathered much had nothing over. And he that gathered little had no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating. 
And Moses said, Let no man leave of it till the morning. Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto Moses, but some of them left of it until the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was wroth with them. And they gathered it every morning, every man according to his eating. And when the sun waxed hot, it melted. And it came to pass that on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for one man. And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. And he said unto them, This is that which the Lord hath said. Tomorrow is the rest of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which ye will bake today, and seethe that ye will seethe, and that which remaineth over lay up for you to be kept until the morning. And they laid it up till the morning as Moses bade, and it did not stink, neither was there any worm therein. And Moses said, Eat that today, for today is a Sabbath unto the Lord. Today ye shall not find it in the field. Six days ye shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, in it there shall be none. And it came to pass that there went out some of the people on the seventh day for to gather, and they found none. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long refuse ye to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for that the Lord hath given you the Sabbath, therefore he giveth you on the sixth day the bread of two days. Abide ye every man in his place, but no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. And the house of Israel called the name thereof manna, and it was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. And Moses said, This is the thing which the Lord commandeth. Fill an omer of it to be kept for your generations, that they may see the bread wherewith I have fed you in the wilderness, when I brought you forth from the land of Egypt. And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a pot and put an omer full of manna therein, and lay it up before the Lord to be kept for your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony to be kept. And the children of Israel did eat manna forty years, until they came to a land inhabited. They did eat manna until they came unto the borders of the land of Canaan. Now an omer is the tenth part of an ephah. That whole chapter, though not every detail of the chapter, is the sermon text this morning. But I want to begin by reminding you, telling you, of what I find to be one of the most amazing things in the story of Israel's wilderness wanderings. And that's the fact 
that Christ was with them in pictures, but with them in the wilderness in every possible way. Moses, Joshua, Aaron were all in different ways pictures of Christ. You had the sacrifices that pictured his bloody sacrifice on the cross. You had when the tabernacle was finally put up. You had the ark, the veil, the showbread, the altars, all pictures of Christ. The cloud of glory that led them in the wilderness was Christ. And the Word of God tells us, too, that when they received water from the rock, that rock was Christ. Everywhere they went, and in so many different ways that you can hardly count them all, Christ was with them in the wilderness. That I find to be even more striking than all of Israel's murmuring and rebellion and disobedience and sin. So that's what we often do remember when we think of these stories of the 40 years in the wilderness. It was their sin and disobedience and rebellion and murmuring that required the presence of Christ. Otherwise, all of them no exceptions at all, would have perished in the wilderness and never reached the promised land. But Christ's presence was their safety, their hope, the possibility of forgiveness when they sinned against God, their righteousness before God, everything they needed was in him. He was all and in all to Israel in the wilderness. And that is beautifully shown here in the story of God's gift of the manna. Their sin stands out. They did, no matter what God said, the opposite, always the opposite of what he commanded. But Christ was there too, there as the true bread from heaven. And so what we sang 
in Psalter number 213 was indeed true. Not right with their God in heart and in will, they faithlessly broke his covenant still, but he in compassion reluctant to slay forgave them and oft turned his anger away. So focusing on Christ's presence there in the wilderness of sin on behalf of his sinful people as the living bread that came down from heaven. I call your attention to the word of God here in Exodus 16. A few things of interest to begin with. The wilderness of sin was Israel's third camp. About a month and a half from the Red Sea, their third camp, as they made their way down the west coast of the Sinai Peninsula to Mount Sinai, where God would give them the law. If you look on a map, the wilderness of sin is about two-thirds of the way from the Red Sea to Mount Sinai. Some of you probably can picture that in your minds. Was there the wilderness of sin that they ran out of food? They had probably taken a considerable amount of food with them out of Egypt, but now it had run out. And as so often happened, they complained. Complained against Moses, although Moses told them that they were really complaining against God. They said to Moses, we wish we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full, for ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Totally unjustified, of course, and certainly wrong in that they complained to Moses, but that was the way it went through the whole of those 40 years in the wilderness. No bread, immediate murmuring and complaining. And I might add, very, very much like us in that respect. As soon as things don't go the way we think they ought to go, then we are immediately grumbling, dissatisfied, unhappy, as the case may be. That's so? But it was there that God gave them the manna. First quails, quails of the evening. Talk about that in just a moment. Why God gave them quails too. He would do that once again in the wilderness at Kibroth. But first quails and then the manna in the morning. And the manna was 
was an amazing thing. It was very, really miracle food. Perhaps you remember what we read in verse 18. No matter how much or how little you gathered, you had exactly the right amount. That's one of the ways in which the Bible here in Exodus 16 tells us that this manna was like no earthly bread. In fact, in Psalm 78, I think it's verse 25, the Word of God calls it angel's food. Probably in reference to the fact that it was through the ministry of angels that the Israelites received this heavenly bread from God. And they called it manna. I'm going to come back to that too. But do you know what that name means? Manna is what the Israelites said when they first saw it. What is this? That's what manna means. And that became the name of this heavenly bread for the 40 years of Israel's wanderings in the wilderness. It was miracle food and amazing food too in that it was all they needed. All the nourishment, all the health that they needed for those 40 years. Nothing else besides was necessary. Although, as we know, from the history of Israel's wilderness wanderings, they did complain about the fact that that was all they had to eat. But the most important thing of all about that manna is what Jesus says in John 6. When you go home today, between the services, you ought to read a good part of John 6 and what Jesus says there. He identifies himself there as the living bread that came down from heaven of which the manna was a picture. The true spiritual bread that came down from heaven. Worth reading a little bit of what Jesus says there. John 6, verses 32 and 33. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of heaven is he which cometh down from life unto the world. So that manna pictured Jesus as our necessary spiritual food. And as a reminder of what Moses said to them there in the wilderness... 
that man does not and cannot live by earthly bread alone. He has spiritual needs as well. And if those spiritual needs are not met, then he perishes, dies forever spiritually. You have an article in one of our creeds that explains that very nicely, the confession of faith. In its article of the Lord's Supper, and you know, of course, that the bread of the Lord's Supper is also a picture, like the manna of Jesus as the bread of life, as the one who gives us life, first of all. This is not just bread that supports life, but that gives life in the first place. But then also bread, spiritual bread, that supports our spiritual life. This is what the confession of faith says. And now those who are regenerated, speaking of you and I, those who are regenerated have in them a twofold life. The one corporal and temporal, bodily and belonging to this world which they have from the first birth, and is common to all men. The other spiritual and heavenly, which is given them in their second birth, which is affected by the word of the gospel in the communion of the body of Christ. And this life is not common, but is peculiar to God's elect, belongs only to them. In like manner, God hath given us for the support of the bodily and earthly life, earthly and common bread, which is subservient to thereto. It supports, nourishes, feeds, satisfies our hunger, it's subservient thereto, and is common to all men, even as life itself. But for the support of the spiritual and heavenly life, and that's what we're talking about this morning, which believers have, he hath sent a living bread, which descended from heaven, namely Jesus Christ, who nourishes and strengthens the spiritual life of believers when they eat him. That is to say, when they apply and receive him by faith in the Spirit. That was what God was doing for Israel in the wilderness. Doing very much the same thing that he does for us when the Lord's Supper is administered in the church. The bread of the Lord's Supper is just bread. But God gives us that bread to turn our attention to the true heavenly bread. And so the bread of the Lord's Supper becomes a way in which we, by faith, receive Christ as the food and life and health and well-being of our souls. That was what the manna did for Israel in the wilderness, at least 
And that wasn't all of them for those who believed. It pointed them to that true spiritual and heavenly bread which is Christ Jesus himself. And that may seem very hard for you to understand, but even their faith was able, as the creed puts it, to receive Christ as the life and health and nourishment and well-being of their souls. If you don't believe that, find it difficult to believe that, then remember what Jesus said about Abraham. Your father Abraham, he said, saw my day and was glad. So that was the manna. Picture of that true spiritual heavenly bread without which our souls perish here in the wilderness of this world. And we have that bread just as Israel did. Have it especially in the Word of God. When before or after your meal today, you read and perhaps discuss a passage of the Word of God, maybe John 6, or part of it, then your parents are making sure that your children are not just fed with physical food. You're taking to heart what Moses said to Israel in the wilderness. Man does not live by bread alone. Or as Jesus put it in John 6, your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread that came down from heaven. So whenever we open the scriptures and read them, we're doing really what Israel did six days of the week. And going out and gathering manna. And that, by the way, is the reason why God gave them quails too on this occasion, even though they didn't ask for meat. He gave them the quails to show them exactly that. Not this. Not the kind of food you ate in Egypt. But what I alone the God of your salvation can give you. That's your real spiritual bread. That's what will keep your souls alive. Now we have that bread
not only when we read the scriptures, but we have it especially through the preaching of the word of God. John 6 reminds us of that also. Jesus says toward the end of John 6, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. It's those words that through the gracious work of the Holy Spirit become the food of our souls. That's why you're here this morning. You're doing what Israel did, although they weren't allowed to gather that earthly manna on the Sabbath. You're doing what they did six days of the week, doing it especially today. And gathering that necessary spiritual food. You see? That's just another way of saying that when you read the story of Israel's wilderness wanderings, you're reading your own story. Story of your life today. Your family life, especially your spiritual family of family life. Living out the truth of Deuteronomy 8, verses 2 and 3. Man does not live by bread alone. But what's especially striking, and that's the second part of my sermon this morning, What's especially striking is that in giving Israel that bread, the first thing that it showed was their sinfulness. God's gift of manna to Israel shows as nothing else does their need and our need too for that true spiritual bread which the manna pictured. You know the story in Exodus. God had brought them through the Red Sea. He'd provided for them at Marah where the bitter waters were healed. He'd given them rest at Elam. They're no sooner gone from Elam and run out of food, and they're murmuring and complaining once again and ready to kill Moses in their frustration. But even when God gave them the manna, and that's what's so striking, In giving them that manna, the the awfulness of their sin, the depth of their sin really came out. 
God said don't try to keep any of it overnight for tomorrow. And what did they do? Some of them anyway. They kept it overnight. And it bred worms and stank. God said to them on Friday, make sure you gather twice as much as normal because I'm not going to send any manna on the Sabbath day. What did they do? Some of them at least. They didn't gather anything. Not enough anyway for the Sabbath. And they and their children went hungry. That's what God was talking about when before he actually gave the manna, he said that he would prove them. Exodus 16, verse 4. I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no, whether they'll do what I say. And the gift of manna proved, to put it very bluntly, that they would not, would not do what God said. Proved it as nothing else proved that. Always they insisted on doing the opposite of what God told them. He proved them with the manna. And of course, that didn't only happen in the wilderness of sin. That was the story of their wilderness wanderings at Kibroth. They said, we're, we're sick of the same thing every single day. Our souls loathe this light bread. Give us meat. And so God gave them, what was it, 40 miles of quails three feet deep? And of course, on other occasions, they sinned too. Because even though God had provided so amazingly, miraculously for their needs, they still were not satisfied. What did the Psalter number say? Their hearts were not right. Not right with their God in heart and in will. That's what the gift of manna brought out. Now the inclination, maybe some of you are saying that to yourselves, the inclination is to say, what a wretched bunch of people they were. And I hope not, like the Pharisee in the temple, and, and I thank God that I'm not like them. Because the whole point of this story is 
that it wasn't just the Israelites who were proved sinful, disobedient, rebellious, always complaining by this bread from heaven. But you and I as well talked about the fact that God gives us that bread that of which the manna was a picture that true heavenly bread in Christ Jesus as we have him especially in the word of God the word preached how often Just to give you a few examples of what I'm talking about when I say that this is our story. How often is it not the case that the Sabbath, the Lord's Day, passes? And we've had nothing to eat, spiritually. Just like those Israelites who didn't listen to God. What he said twice as much on Friday. Sit under the preaching of the word. Sit under it twice on the Lord's day. And go home spiritually empty. Are we really that different? Really? Different from them? Or think of what they said. When they were weary of the matter, our souls loathe this light bread. Probably we wouldn't dare say it. But does not the preaching of the word of God seem to us also to be every Lord's day, twice a Lord's day, the same thing? To the point where we are weary of it and spend our time in the worship services not gathering that true heavenly bread but wasting our time thinking of Egypt and what Israel called the flesh pots of Egypt. Really? That different? Those are a couple of examples. Just a couple by way of showing how much we are like them. And do not, remembering what Jesus says, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Perhaps this question needs to be answered especially by you young people. Are not the words of men. Their songs. 
They're jabber. Does that not seem so often to us better than what we have in the preaching of the gospel on the Lord's day and in the word of God? Are we really, really so different from them? Are we not saying then, if not in word, that indeed? Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full. Think about that. That's what I meant when I took as the second point of my sermon, proving bread. That gift of spiritual bread proves before anything else our sinfulness and therefore our need for that bread. Because as we sang in Psalter number 213, he in compassion reluctant to slay forgave them and oft turned his anger away. And not only that, of course, but gave them for 40 years this manna, teaching them patiently with endless patience their need for that true heavenly bread, Christ Jesus. Took them 40 years to learn. But there too, we are not very much different, are we? So as you think of the story of the man, oh, by the way, I almost forgot that name, manna. Remember I said it's just the question that Israel asked when they first saw the manna? What is it? That name probably reflects their sinfulness. The fact that when they asked that question, they asked it as our children do. When they come to the table and Bob's prepared something unfamiliar, what's this? You expect me to eat this? That's probably the intent of that name. Another reflection of their need. For that true spiritual bread. And not only their need, but your need and mine. Nothing else. Nothing else will get you through the wilderness of this world. Nothing else will nourish and support your spiritual life.
but that manna, which is really Christ Jesus himself. Nothing else will get you to the borders of that heavenly Canaan. But that spiritual bread broken for you every Lord's Day in the preaching of the gospel and broken too whenever you open the scriptures in your own homes. Nothing else. You have to remember that. Those are the lessons of the Word of God here in Exodus 16. You have to remember what Moses said to Israel. Getting ready to come to church. Sitting here. Twice on the Lord's Day. Tempted perhaps to neglect family devotions. To remember what Moses said. Man does not Live by bread alone. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. And then too you have to come to the word of God, read, preached, studied, remembered. You have to come to the Word of God seeking not earthly bread, but seeking that bread of life. What did, what did Jesus, how did he put it in John 6? Well, first he said he had just performed that miracle of feeding 5,000 feeding their bellies. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat that perisheth, but for the meat that endureth unto everlasting life which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. Don't think too much of Egypt and its flesh pots. Labor not for the meat that perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life. And this too, more than anything else, Jesus' words to the Jews in John 6, I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. 
If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And what he adds, reflecting back on the history of Exodus 16, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Don't be like the Jews of his day who sneered and said, how will this man give us his flesh to eat? But understand, my dear friends, understand that it is by faith. Faith, the hand and mouth of the soul. That we have Jesus. That bread which came down from heaven. Which if a man eat, he shall live forever. By faith, we have him as the food, the life, the health. In all our trials and troubles, the health and well-being of our souls. Don't say, what is this? But say what the disciples said when Jesus asked them if they, like the rest of the crowd, were going to go away. Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Thou art the bread that came down from heaven. That's what you'll say, isn't it? God grant it. Amen. Father, we thank thee for the lesson we've had this morning, and ask that the Spirit may make us hunger and thirst for righteousness, that He may awaken in our souls an insatiable desire for that true heavenly bread, Christ Jesus, and that we may see for ourselves and for our children that we cannot live by bread alone, but must live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Forgive the sins we've committed in speaking of these things, and bless us as we go our separate ways for a few hours, bringing us together once again in thy providence and in thy goodness. For Jesus' sake, amen.